morning, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today at DFS on Wednesday, December 22nd. Different day, same podcast. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sina Jad. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Week 15. Mostly the main slate. We'll talk a little bit about the past two days and the Monday and Tuesday slate. We'll take a look at our cash, our GPP lineups, who won our FFT DFS contest, and what did that lineup look like? Pretty funny name. Uh, I realize the username, but it's we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Are you serious? Those ridiculously tilting moments from this past week. Early week 16 pricing. Uh, and then, of course, we will wrap it up with a Thursday night football preview for Showdown. That is the 49ers at the Titans, before we even get into recapping week 15, are you guys big on the holidays? I've, I, we didn't talk about this at all. It's Christmas week, obviously. New Year's next week. What are we thinking? See ya? You know, Mike and I, when we usually answer these questions, we're usually like a little Grinchish. Uh, I, I am big on the holidays to an extent. I, I now have two young kids, so I'm sort of being reintroduced to the holidays to some degree. But when it comes to like birthdays and just holidays in general, I, I never really get necessarily super excited about them, but I'm in the holiday spirit. I, I have a Christmas tree up and things of that nature. There's some stockings up that, that have yet to be filled. So yeah, I guess I'm excited about it, but I mean, honestly, it's football season. So that's really all I get excited about this time of year. I don't think people could see this, but I'll, I'll move the microphone out of the way for a second and then I'll just show it off for those who are watching, but oh, it's okay. like a Patrick Mahomes, ugly Christmas sweater. A home alone edition. It's like Pat Mahomes alone. It's it's pretty cool. So I, I do enjoy oh, it. Funny. Mike, how we doing? You big on the holidays? Uh, I mean, I'm big on the holidays in that it's big time to get to play DFS on Christmas Day. <laughs> like there's yeah. NBA and NFL this year, so that's going to be fun. But uh, no, I enjoy them. I celebrate them to some extent. Uh, this Christmas, I will be by myself. I'll see my family on Christmas Eve, the day after, but. Uh, I'm going to be playing DFS by myself on Christmas Day, doing shows for Sportsline, all that. Uh, and then I'll celebrate over New Year's. Going to do a little uh, New York City weekend or week again uh, in New York City with my girlfriend. So that'll be fun. Oh, good luck to you, my man. I have lived in New York my whole life, and I have never gone to Times Square to watch the ball drop. It's just one of those things where if you live in New York, just don't go anywhere near the city. Oh, on I'm that not day. doing that. Yeah. I can <laughs> promise you we're not going near the... Well, I mean, we're somewhat near in Midtown, but... Uh, we will definitely not be partaking in the outdoor ball drop festivities. I've got a bit of a take to this is probably something I shouldn't admit on a football DFS podcast, but I don't like that there's football on Christmas. Reason being, I'm big on basketball. Basketball is Christmas to me. Like that's the official launch of the season. Like I love that Christmas Day is dominated by basketball and you got like five games, one after another, after another. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, I love football. I'm going to play DFS on that day, but it's a bit of a take, Mike. What do you think? I feel like it should just be basketball's day, man. I think it's a rough take for this year because you're going to be watching, uh, I believe Joe Johnson just signed a 10-day contract. He could potentially be active on Christmas Day. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of 10-day contracts, so we'll see if any of those games actually get postponed or not, but uh Hey, I'm not going to be mad about throwing some NFL games on a, a Christmas Saturday. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. Come on. Yeah, I know. It's it's not a very popular take. I should have just kept it to myself. Speaking of COVID and, and games potentially getting postponed in the NBA, it's worth mentioning here up at the top that we'll see what happens regarding the Chiefs and the Jets, but it seems like they're dealing with COVID outbreaks of their own right now. Both teams have double-digit players in COVID protocols right now. Uh, Robert Sala has tested positive for the Jets as well. And Mike, we were talking beforehand. I know that you kind of have a take when it comes to how this affects the betting market, uh, specifically for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so basically I'll start the take by saying I hope everyone is doing well and recovers fine from being on the COVID list. Obviously, we want everyone to be healthy at all times. Uh, but when you look at the betting market, betting market, it should make you like teams more. I like the Kansas City Chiefs more in the Super Bowl and in the futures market. Just knowing now that based on the COVID protocols and the testing, once you have entered an official, like tested positive, officially entered the protocols, you don't get tested again for 90 days. And now that we are at this point in the season, once the 90 days is up, the season is completely over. So that means Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, the two most important weapons for Patrick Mahomes are cleared throughout the playoffs. Once they are able to recover, once they're able to come back from the COVID list, we're not going to be worried about any sort of issues in these playoff games with those two key players on this team. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is still going to be going through testing and all those things. But when you see things like that, it definitely should get your attention in the betting market for sure. 
All right. Well, see, let's move on to the DFS side of things. And how was week 15 for you? How was the Monday and Tuesday slate? Obviously, we had two game slates on each of those days. And how'd they treat you, see? Yeah. So Sunday, the main slate really didn't treat me that well. And we'll go over the lineups in a second. And it's just, it was just one of those things where the chalk I was on didn't really come through. And then some, some of the dart throws I was on also didn't come through. So um, I cashed here and there, but it was overall, it was a losing week for me. Um, Monday though, was really good to me. Actually, Monday almost had my, my biggest hit of the year, believe it or not, just with that two game slate, which I'm really starting to like, and we'll see this in the playoffs, you know, wild card round and throughout the playoffs, we'll see these four game slates, two game slates, things of that nature. And I'll tell you, I'm really starting to get excited about those because I'm not as good uh, if I'm if I'm going to critique myself. I'm not as good as at showdown as like somebody like Mike, for example. But the two game slates, I feel like I'm starting to really get the hangout. So uh, Monday, I almost had an outright out of 19,000 entrance. I was one wow. defense away from from missing it. Frankly, I had the Raiders defense and I could have paid up to the Vikings defense. Or was it? I'm trying to remember. It was the Vikings defense. Yep. Yeah. And, and the only reason I didn't. And again, this goes back to Mike's point about getting weird, especially on two day two game slates. I didn't because Justin Fields was my quarterback. And so I just thought, well, Raiders against Nick Mullins, it certainly makes sense. I still think it makes sense. But the guy who ended up winning uh, outright out of the 19,000 actually had the Vikings defense with Justin Fields in his lineup. So again, these two game slates, you have license to get weird, get a little different, get a little contrarian off to just the general rules we go by. So once this regular season is over, I mean, keep keep dialing in to us because we're definitely going to have a lot of content for those uh for those playoff games yeah i'm right there with you see i use the raiders in i believe all of my no i think i may i i missed i mixed it up a little bit but i know the raiders were my cash game lineup and it was just that's the difference that's the difference between cashing on monday or not uh using the raiders versus the vikings they were 200 uh dollars Difference. And speaking of the playoffs, yes, we're going to be around for the playoffs through the Super Bowl. I believe this might be breaking news, but I don't think that we'll do two podcasts anymore. Once we get into January, we'll probably bring it down to one where we just preview the slate. But uh, we will be here for the postseason and obviously for the Super Bowl. Let's jump into our cash game lineup review and the cash line right around 120, 122, a tad lower than it was in week 14. A pretty meh week for quarterbacks on this slate. Four with double-digit ownership. Tua and Josh Allen were fine. Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray let us down. I had Kyler Murray in my lineup. James Robinson was 87% owned in terms of running back ownership, and he was very good. Four other double-digit owned running backs. Michael Carter, Miles Gaskin, Jeff Wilson, Najee Harris. Only Wilson of that group came through for us. Four wide receivers, over 40% owned in cash games. Two studs in Devontae Parker and Gabriel Davis. Two duds, Devontae Adams and Deontay Johnson. Adams wasn't a complete dud, but he did give us a snowflake, so that sucks. And then at tight end, we had Mike Isecki, George Kittle, and James O'Shaughnessy. They were all fine. Mark Andrews was amazing. We spoke about that on our Monday or Tuesday podcast. I know, Mike, you were very big on Mark Andrews. Let's talk about him. Uh, As, Mike, you had... Mark Andrews in your cash game lineup where you put up 146.82. You had Big Ben to Deontay Johnson. As you said, you were going to have last week, uh, James Robinson and Michael Carter at running back. You had Devontae Parker, Gabriel Davis, Devontae Adams were your other wide receivers. And then, of course, you had Mark Andrews at tight end and the Bills DST. Stars and Scrubs approach definitely pays off here. What made you go with Michael Carter over... I don't know, someone like Jeff Wilson. Maybe you didn't even have the salary to make that happen. I know that they were $300 apart, but I really struggled with my RB2 decision in cash games this week. I wound up with Saquon Barkley. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but I was struggling. I was struggling with the RB2. Yeah, so Wilson, uh, you know, frustrating. I definitely could have had more Wilson and had a, had a lot more there, but uh, I ended up with Carter here just because of the simple correlation rule with Devontae Parker. I uh, just wanted to overall have both of those guys in that game environment. Um, was not not playing Devontae Parker. So that ultimately was that decision there. Um, as far as Big Ben to Deontay, it, uh, obviously not what we were looking for at uh, 20 combined fantasy points, or I guess 21 combined fantasy points between the two. Um, didn't really get me there. Obviously, Mark Andrews, Gabriel Davis were the reasons why I was able to have a pretty good day with this my my primary team here. Um, not 
a lot to say about it, really. Devontae Adams, uh, basically a floor game there. He got in the end zone, but didn't really do much. Uh, 46, 44 yards, six catches. That's about as low as it gets for uh, Devontae Adams. The Bills' defense ended up being a lot more popular than I thought they would be. I thought we'd see some cheaper defenses take ownership over this week. So I was a little surprised to see myself ending with a defense that popular. Um, but overall, yeah, fine, uh, fine week. And shout out Mark Andrews once again. Yeah, uh, Big Ben, by the way, speed demon, winds up with a rushing touchdown in that game against the Tennessee Titans. And obviously that was where you got different here, and we knew that you were going to play Big Ben. He, wa- he comes in just 7% owned here in this contest. See ya. what are you thinking about this cash game lineup from Week 15? Yeah, I mean, I like it. You, you, you smash with two of your chalk players in Devontae Parker and, and, and Gabriel Davis, which both of those made sense, even in cash. And Mark Andrews, I mean, he's just the GOAT right now. Him and George Kittle at tight end, they're just so good. Obviously, Kittle wasn't as good this week as Mark Andrews, but I, I love it. I mean, I just I just wish I had it. I wish I had Mark Andrews as my tight end. I, I did not, as we'll see in a second. But otherwise, I like this lineup. Listen, you'll see, I played a lot of Michael Carter this week, too, and it just made sense, especially with Ty Johnson being inactive. I just yep. assumed there would be a look. Now, now, Michael Carter got plenty of rushes. He got 10 rushes and, and a couple targets, but he just didn't do anything with them. And honestly, I, I'm coming to a point where I think this is just – really a Zach Wilson problem. I mean, if Joe Flacco is in there or Josh Johnson or you name it, uh, who was it? Mike White. Any other quarterback would be just fine in terms of supporting one or two or even three uh, pass catchers, running backs, especially in negative game scripts. Zach Wilson is not that guy. He really, frankly, shouldn't be playing. Yeah, computer-generated Mike White. That was a a flash in the pan. That was quite fun here in, in New York. And look, it's been bad for Zach Wilson. You're, you're exactly right about that. So we'll, we'll see if he can, I don't know, improve over the next couple of years. But as of now, not looking too good. Uh, and that is coming from a Jets fan. Mark Andrews, by the way, you mentioned the GOAT right now. See ya. Eight plus targets in seven straight games for Mark Andrews. Double digit targets in five of those seven games. The guy is just absolutely on fire right now. And let's take a look at your cash game lineup here. See, you had a very similar core to Mike. You wound up with uh, 105.02. You spend up at quarterback with Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. You had the same running backs, James Robinson and Michael Carter. They were very popular. I think it made sense. Deontay Johnson and Devontae Parker at wide receiver. Then you had James O'Shaughnessy at tight end. Miles Gaskin at flex and the Jags DST. And I, I mentioned, you know, part of my struggle with uh, with RB2 was I just didn't really trust Miles Gaskin. Uh, he was coming off the COVID list, didn't practice much, and he winds up with just 10 touches compared to Duke Johnson's 23. And I feel like this has happened multiple times this year where whenever we decide to trust Miles Gaskin, something weird like this winds up happening. See ya. Friends don't let friends play Miles Gaskin. I was just going to say that. How <laughs> big of a hypocrite am I? I mean, you know, and, and I didn't really play him, I don't think at all, or, or certainly not much in, in tournaments, but I'm really mad at myself. I mean, obviously Jeff Wilson made sense, but then again, when we've seen Jeff Wilson the previous two weeks, don't get me wrong, it was a good matchup against Atlanta, but we weren't sure how much Debo was going to line up in the backfield, how much third down work Jermichael Hasty was going to get. And it turns out Jeff Wilson just really got all the work. So Good for him. I, I absolutely wish I had, you know, paid down for him. Otherwise, I don't mind this lineup. I mean, Gaskin, in retrospect, even you know, twenty twenty hindsight, I, I still kind of think was a mistake because of my previous statements on Miles Gaskin. Friends don't let friends roster Miles Gaskin. Everything else here checks out to me. Obviously, I missed on Michael Carter. Kind of learned my lesson with Jets there, but it's funny, right? Because just on the injury report. Jamison Crowder pops up with a no practice with the calf. So, oh my gosh, is Sia going to get sucked into a New York Jet for the third week in a row? Because their receiving core now, with Jamison Crowder out, if he's out, is Keelan Cole and Denzel Mims and Braxton Berrios. I mean, that's it. I'm not going to do it, but I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Yet another Jet is on the injury list. But listen, other than... Other than Miles Gaskin, I really don't mind this lineup. It just didn't work out. Even if Michael Carter got a snowflake, I certainly expected Devontae Adams and Deontay Johnson to, to pick up more of the slack. I don't have a problem with Jay, uh, O'Shaughnessy, who, by the way, I like as a punt play this week against those New York Jets. Um, yeah, n- not a big problem with this lineup. It just it just didn't work out. Yeah, Keelan Cole. Uh, AC and Ajad favorite. Make sure to keep yes. him in mind when it comes to week 16. I'm seeing, oh. he, I'm seeing here as well that uh, Field Yates just tweeted that Brandon Cook's placed on the COVID-19 list as well. So Ooh. it's already Wednesday. Seems like things could be in doubt there for Brandon Cook's. Mike, what do you think about this cash game lineup? Uh, any major mistakes outside of maybe trusting Miles Gaskin? No. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's a mistake. I 
I didn't expect him to still be that high owned. Um, I, I thought it might be just a touch lower than that, but no, I mean, you look at the receivers, Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, you basically got one of the two in your lineup with that score that they put up. You're basically, that's what we were expecting out of Devontae by himself. Right. And, and that's just an unfortunate product there. I thought the Jaguars defense would be a little better uh, at two points. I, I liked them. Uh, I ended up playing them in some spots. It just, spot where they kind of ran bad and Houston played really, really well. Um, yeah, but other than that, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I like the Aaron Rodgers play, only 10% owned. You know, it's it's pretty low owned for that uh, spot. So I, I thought it was a really good pivot. All right. And and Frank, I, I am I am looking forward to some some good fortune with respect to my cash game next week. And do you, do you want to know why? Why is that? Wait for it. Oh. What is that? Oh, my friends. <laughs> it's a liquid death. Courtesy of Mike McClure's recommendation. So cheers to everybody. It's going to be a good cash game week this week. Oh, man, oh. that is that is amazing. Oh, I hate being left out, man. I got to get myself. It's delicious. That's actually the first time that's hit my lips. It is delicious. Wow. And water. I'm, I'm still rocking the old uh, water bottle here. I've got to I've got to up my game. I've got to get some liquid death. Uh, my my fiance works in the city, so I'm sure she'll, she could find it somewhere. So I'm, I got to make that happen. And then maybe we'll, we'll start off the new year with a, a trio of liquid death here on this podcast. Uh, let's wrap up our cash game discussion and take a look at my lineup. Another winner for me, but barely getting over the cash line here. 125.28. I also paid up for quarterback. I went with Kyler Murray, who was yucky. Not great here against the Detroit Lions. Just... I don't know what happened to the Arizona Cardinals there. Credit to the Lions. They they played amazing in that game. James Robinson and Saquon Barkley at running back mentioned. Didn't really know what to do at RB2, so I paid up a little bit here for Saquon Barkley. He was only 2.5% owned, and that's probably why. I mean, he plays on the Giants offense. Not great. Deontay Johnson, Devontae Parker, Gabriel Davis, and Devontae Adams at wide receiver and flex. And then I spend down at tight end, much like Sia did, with James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, and then the Panthers DST. I did not love it. I needed a cheap defense. I knew that this was the core that I really wanted. And if I wanted to spend up for one of my running backs that I had to spend down at defense, Panthers, they actually came through, you know, three and a half, uh, 3.3% ownership, five points. I'll, I'll take that every day of the week. Uh, see you. What do you think here? How'd, how'd I do? Uh, Saquon Barkley, man. It's just, I don't know, kind of like the, the Jets offense. I just, I don't know that you really want much to do with the Giants right now. Jake Fromm could be the starting quarterback here in week 16. It's, it's just a mess. Uh, totally agree on Saquon Barkley. I think that he's, if you're going to play him, he's almost at this point a better tournament play. He certainly doesn't have the burst that even Devontae Booker has. I mean, it just, it right. do, I don't see it. I mean, he's making a, a few more cuts, but yeah, especially with that offense being so stunted right now, it just doesn't, it's just not a good play in, in cash in tournaments. Yeah. I mean, he could break loose. I mean, uh, you know, he's always, to me, he's always in playing tournaments. I, I don't plan on playing him, but I don't think a lot of people will, which makes him maybe a better tournament play. I really love this lineup though. Two things to point out. My main GPP defense happened to be the Carolina Panthers. And by the way, I kind of like them this week too, as just a bargain uh, defense. They're the lowest price defense in, in, at 2,300. And I think they have at least some upside. It made a lot of sense to play them against Buffalo because we anticipated Buffalo just throwing the ball all around didn't really work out like that because Devin Singletary got some run. The one thing I want to point out, and I, I really liked your lineup. Obviously, it cashed. I should have. Kyler Murray might still be feeling the effects of that ankle injury. So that's kind of a big watch out for the next few weeks. It, it's one of those things where I don't know that he's going to shake it until the offseason. And I've, I've certainly heard some, some medical reporting on that as well. So just keep an eye on that. I think maybe the reason why they were so flat last week against Detroit, you could call it, you know, traveling to Detroit for a one o'clock game or, or maybe, you know, DeAndre Hopkins being out. But honestly, this might rest on Kyler Murray right now. So keep that in mind. I know he had two rushing touchdowns against the Bears, but he didn't really have to do much in that game. That was his first game back. It's just a big watch out for me with Kyler. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point that you make there. Uh, he rushed four times for just three yards in that game against the Lions, which was weird because he rushed well the week before that against the Rams, seven for 61, and his return against the Bears, 10 for 59 and two. But yeah, I mean, maybe week 15, something cropped up again here for, mm -hmm. for Kyler Murray and that ankle. Let's move on to our GPP lineups, and we will start with Mike's lineup here, and he puts up 130.9 with the Trevor Lawrence Revenge Tour. It turns out that uh, Trevor Lawrence is exactly that. He's still Trevor Lawrence. Um, I had a lineup with him, and, and obviously it uh, was not great. He winds up with uh, 10.5 DK points here. Did you guys see, by the way, former GM Mike Tannenbaum on ESPN 
He compared the Jaguars' head coaching vacancy to the Golden State Warriors. Like, <laughs> I understand, like, Trevor Lawrence, I guess, has some upside still. I mean, he's looked really, really bad. How much of that was Urban Meyer? How much of that is actually just Trevor Lawrence not being great? But, geez, man, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know what we're doing comparing the Jaguars head coaching vacancy to the uh, Golden State so, Warriors. That is so, Frank, let me jump in there. And this is, this. I'm saying this not because, I actually, um, I've met Mike Tannenbaum, super, super nice guy, by okay. the way. Really, really great guy and a, and a great football mind, in my opinion. But let's just remind ourselves what Golden State, the Golden State Warriors were when Mark Jackson was there. Like, they weren't, we didn't think of them as this, like, just absolutely loaded team that was just going to be, you know, moving the ball and, and setting up for open three. So, while I don't necessarily agree with the analogy, it makes sense that like, you know, you got a, you got a lot of young pieces here that might actually emerge. I mean, and, you know, you have to compare it to the rest of, of the AFC, of course, but I don't hate the take. I, I, I'm not a big Trevor Lawrence guy. I guess that that's the only reason I'm not really super big on that take. I've never been even at Clemson. I wasn't a big Trevor Lawrence guy, but they definitely have some pieces. So it's 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 not that far out of bounds, in my opinion. All right. All right. Uh, look, if we're comparing them to the Warriors, that means Trevor Lawrence is, is Steph Curry. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, obviously, in the future here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, but, Mike, you did have Trevor Lawrence to James O'Shaughnessy on the uh, on the stack. Both were 6% owned or less. You had Brandon Cooks on the bringback, Saquon Barkley just 5% owned, and James Robinson at running back. And then you had Deontay Johnson, Devontae Parker, and Devontae Adams. That is a mouthful. Deontay, Devontae, Devontae. Uh, any interest in Trevor Lawrence maybe this upcoming week? Mike, he's going up against the Jets who have this whole COVID situation going on, and he's cheaper than Marcus Mariota and Mike Lynn, for what it's worth. Yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely in the player pool. There's no doubt about that. Um, as far as this game on this lineup, I mean, I liked him. I like I like the spot. I think that it's kind of obviously sucks he didn't get in the end zone, essentially, or couldn't have a passing touchdown to James Robinson. But um, yeah, nothing. I, I liked this lineup a lot. And you mentioned the Deontay, Devontae, Devontae. That was in every lineup that I played, basically. So a uh, very common theme here. And that kind of bunched all of my lineups uh, in the middle basically all week. The, you know, this one missed in the tournament I played it in. Would have made it in cash games even. Um, yeah, just a pretty standard lineup out of me as you've watched it week after week. I have my three to four guys that make every single lineup. They're typically the three receivers and we get different at quarterback and a little defense. All right. Well, let's move on to Sia's GPP lineup here and he puts up 142 0.62 and not too different from uh, your cash lineup core here. See, you had Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams, James Robinson, Michael Carter, and Gabriel Davis. But then you go with Michael Gallup at 5,500, and then you had the dual tight ends with Mike Gusecki and Mark Andrews. I wanted to ask why, uh, why, how you wound up with uh, Michael Gallup instead of, you know, there were a few other wide receivers in that price range, Christian Kirk and Amonra St. Brown. Obviously, it's easier to to bring those specific names up now in hindsight because they had monster games. But uh, what were you thinking here when it came to uh, Michael Gallup? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in myself because I was one of the advocates for Amon Ross St. Brown last week. And, and for whatever reason, in this lineup and in most of my lineups, I just didn't really get to him. I think I just got scared off by the, just the Jared Goff effect. And I just wasn't sure whether Amon Ross St. Brown was a guy that was going to put his stamp on the season the rest of the way. It looks like he is that guy. I got burned by not playing him. Gallup just made sense to me because I thought, and I was wrong, that Dallas was really going to be throwing it around. I, I wanted some, in this lineup, I wanted some piece of that, that Dallas receiver core, but obviously I couldn't afford CeeDee Lamb. Gallup had been peppered with targets over the last few weeks, even in games where Amari was actually playing. So I, I just saw him as, as a down-the-field threat with a lot of the attention being on CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. I thought I could get kind of lucky here with maybe like an explosion game with Michael Gallup. It obviously didn't work out. And then, of course, Michael Carter didn't work out either. But um, I, again, I, I had Mark Andrews, so it, it saved, it was, I was able to cash in this lineup. I didn't play a lot of Mark Andrews, full disclosure, so this is one of the few that actually cashed. But again, Gallup was more of a kind of like a Hail Mary-ish play, but I was going off the trends that I saw with Michael Gallup. All right. Mike, I know that you often talk about dual tight end, playing two tight ends in your lineup, but not really because especially these tight ends, Mike Gusecki and Mark Andrews, they're more receivers, wide receivers, uh, than anything else. And I'm wondering if we can kind of get back to that here in week 16, because if Travis Kelsey doesn't play, I believe the gentleman's name is 
Noah Brown? Noah Gray. Noah, Noah Gray? Gray? Yeah, someone like that. His first name Great is Noah. first name, wrong color, but <laughs> Noah Gray is the man. Yeah, yeah. so if he's in a lot in, you know, if he's starting for the Chiefs, I'm, I'm sure he'll be popular. And then obviously you can uh, spend up big at another for another tight end uh, in the flex spot. So is that something you could see yourself doing here again in week 16? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's something I do a lot of slates. I, I did it uh, on that little two-game slate with the Cleveland Browns as well. Played both of those tight ends. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's viable. And you're right. Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, they're not tight ends. They're wide receivers that you can play in the tight end spot if you want to. Uh, and that's how I continue to play them. So definitely profiles is one of those weeks, especially because you're going to have Trevor Lawrence, James to uh, O'Shaughnessy potentially as a stack, um, or at least want to play O'Shaughnessy to get a piece. So definitely something you'll see again. And then the one thing I wanted to comment on Sia's lineup there, I love that lineup. It looked a lot like a lineup that I would build. The only thing that I would say is like, just play them, play the uh, play more aggressive. A lot of people play cash games in a certain way now, and I like to play them super aggressively, just like I'm playing a tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, just because the lines are still bunched so much that the value of getting different is huge, even in cash games. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's let's wrap up here with my GPP lineup where I put up 165.84 for a very modest payout of $10. This was uh, the $3 triple option over on DraftKings uh, 3, three max entry here. Uh, to a double stack with Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker. I had Michael Carter on the other side. James Robinson was the other running back that I used. Uh, Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks were my wide receivers. And then I also went with the dual tight ends. Mark Andrews at the flex, and uh, of course, I mentioned Mike Gusecki was here as a tight end. Cowboys defense was awesome going up against the Giants and, and Mike Lennon. Uh, they wind up with 16 fantasy points here at 12.5% ownership. And Mike, I really like this lineup. The problem, I think it's a problem, uh, was that every player that I had in this lineup was over 12% owned. So for your opinion, looking at this lineup, where would you get different if, if anywhere? Um, honestly, Devonte Adams is the only thing I would have done differently maybe, but you had him with Mark Andrews. So really not going to say you should have gotten different there, but I, I, there's nothing really, I mean, there's nothing, you know, there's also nothing wrong with having a lineup with several guys at 10 to 15% owned. You don't have to have a lineup with someone at three to 4% owned. Like this result you talked about a measly $10 is still three X. Like yeah. you're over three mm -hmm. Xing your money on this entry. And that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like I know the goal is to score as many points as possible to win as much money as possible, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in, in this spot. I mean, Michael Carter obviously could have had a much bigger game. Devonte Adams could have had a bigger game. Like the score could have approached 200 very, very quickly uh, in this lineup. So Nothing wrong with it at all. You are correct in that it's probably going to be mostly duplicated across the board. But there, again, there's nothing really wrong with that when you're three to four or five xing your money. Yeah. Again, it's like hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, maybe moving forward, I play a few more single entry contests, and I think you know this probably would have played out better in a single entry contest versus three max. So uh, just something to consider moving forward. And that will bring us to: Are you serious? See ya. What happened in week 15? Something that uh, tilted you. It could have been on the main slate. It could have been any of the two game slates that we mentioned. Uh, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, serious? it's going to be it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys, but specifically Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott. I'm not really sure what's going on. I, I watched pretty much every down of that game and they are so reluctant to pass right now. And it's not like they were blowing the Giants out the entire game. A lot of that game, it was it was a, a single-digit lead by the Cowboys. There was even a moment, and I say this because I had a lot of Dak stacks, Dak to CeeDee Lamb, Dak to Michael Gallup. There was a moment in that game right before the half where they got it to around the six or seven-yard line, and there were seven seconds left, and the Dallas Cowboys had a timeout. And guess what? They didn't call the timeout. They just let the clock run and called the timeout with like two seconds left and kicked a field goal. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if that was an oversight, but it was really disturbing because there was a lot of times where I just thought we got a great passing situation here and they wouldn't take it. They just handed off to Zeke and he'd get, you know, a handful of yards. So uh, are you serious is for Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore. Geez, I had a few... Cowboy stacks and obviously uh, did, did not work out well here in week 15. Mike, how about you? Are you serious from this past week? 
Uh, for me, it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger once again. And the reason why it's going to be, are you serious? Because Ben put up 11 fantasy points, didn't kill me, still cashed very nicely with him, right? Because once again, I was correct on guys like Kyler Murray and other guys that were going to be relatively popular, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, not scoring enough points to really break the slate or hurt me. And once again, Big Ben let me down. I had him at single-digit ownership. I basically successfully avoided huge games from all the other popular quarterbacks once again. And once again, Ben let me down. He did get in on the rushing touchdown, but he the garbage time has not materialized for the last two times that I've rostered him. I've got him at single digits both times. And it's frustrating because should be applying that leverage when you're correct on not him. Obviously, I was wrong on him, but I was correct on basically the three other quarterbacks that I could have potentially played, all not having great games. So are you serious, Ben? Come on, buddy. Yeah, and from one statuesque quarterback to another, are you serious for me goes out to Sunday Night Football, the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger scored a rushing touchdown in his game. Obviously, you know, I was being facetious earlier, talking about him being a speed demon. Tom Brady, man, what are you doing? Like, this guy's taking off. He's trying to run like he's Cam Newton, and he's getting sacked from behind. He's getting hit. He fumbles the ball. And just in general, that game was just a complete mess. So, you know, Brady, 214 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Both teams combined for nine points in that game. Just an absolute massacre for those who played in showdown and uh, look, season-long fantasy football, people in the playoffs, you know, getting nearly nothing out of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and you know, Fournette was luckily he caught some touch, uh, he caught some passes, but man, just what a what a dreadful game there between the Bucks and the Saints. Tom Brady, by the way, too, like yelling at the Saints sideline like a little baby, too. Like, look, the guy is awesome. He's he's the goat, but like these these are just the things that bother me about like amazing athletes. I look, yes, they're they're caught in the moment, fine, sure, but like same thing with LeBron James, like great player, but. Always crying, always complaining. It's just it's, it's very frustrating for me. So there you go. Are you serious for me? Goes to the the Tampa Bay Bucks and uh, Tom Brady. I'm gonna play the sound once again. I don't know if you guys uh, if we've ever talked about where this is from, but uh, that that will wrap up our Are You Serious segment here in week 15. <laughs> Are you serious? Do you guys know where that's from? Any guesses? I don't. See, you're still muted. See, it's muted. <laughs> you're muted on the uh, streamyard side. I the the voice sounds really familiar, but I can't I can't tell where it's from. All right, so it's it's Jonah Jameson in one of the earlier Spider-Man movies. Uh, I, I think it was like I don't know Spider-Man one or two, one of the ones that had like Tobey Maguire in it. Uh, which I'm not gonna say anything. I have seen the Spider-Man movie and it is amazing. That's all I wanted to say. Absolutely no spoilers here on this podcast, but I just thought that I would mention that. Let's wrap up week 15 now uh, and just take a look at the winning lineup from our FFT DFS contest. Uh, for those who want to play against us here in week 16, we will have it on the main slate, 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you'd like to join. Great name incoming here. Uh, the winner is... McWiener Van House. I think that's how I'm going to say that. Uh, who scored a 181.70 wins $135 here in this contest. Tyler Huntley to Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown here in this lineup. Devontae Adams on the bring back. James Robinson, Michael Carter, and Jeff Wilson at running back and flex. Filled out the rest of the lineup with uh, Devontae Parker and the Cowboys defense. See ya. This lineup is pretty awesome. None of us, to my knowledge, played Tyler Huntley, and he was great. Yeah, I, you know, I'm so mad at myself. I played Tyler Huntley in the afternoon slate. I usually play one or two lineups in the afternoon slate, and I, I had three lineups, and one of them had Tyler Huntley, but curiously didn't have Mark Andrews. And as I'm watching that game unfold, I'm like, I have no shot right now because I needed Mark <laughs> Andrews with him. I love how we went all in on, on the Ravens here. I, I mean, I mean, you know, if if two of these three guys have a great game, particularly Huntley and somebody else, you know you're passing so much of the field there. So uh, especially if Marquise Brown had really panned out. I love it. I mean, Jeff Wilson, it clearly ended up being a smart play. What's really interesting, and I might have mentioned this on Thursday, I, I can't remember, but his his player prop for, for rushing yards was 60 when, when the line opened. And I thought that was kind of high. So I was like, yeah, I kind of like the under there. And then by the time we did the Thursday show, it was 63. So like clearly it was getting bet up. And I'm like, oh, no, there's something I'm missing here. But I didn't take that knowledge and put him in some of my lineups. I just kind of left him out because I was a little confused by it. 
But clearly Wilson was the play there. So yeah, I, I, it, the Adams bring back makes a lot of sense. The only swing and miss was Michael Carter and, and you know, a quarter of the people in fantasy this week swung and missed on Michael Carter. So I can't argue with that. What a great lineup. I love the Cowboys defense. And Frank, I think you were the other one who played the Cowboys defense. You had to pay up for him, but he clearly saved money with Wilson, with Carter, a little bit with Robinson as well. Uh, I absolutely love this lineup. Yeah. And actually left $400 here on the table. So just goes to show like, of course you want to get as close to spending your money as possible, but you know, it could allow you to do some different things there. If you do leave some money on the table, Mike, I believe that you had Tyler Huntley as like a recommendation on sports line and then you didn't play him yourself either. Yeah. So shout out to uh, McWiener here. He's a, a good pal. He's in the, my discord server. Uh, nice. We talked about uh, Huntley over there. He ended up playing him. Uh, yeah. Beautiful lineup, uh, very similar to a lot of the the lineups in the cores that we had this week. Um, nice to see that you got Hollywood Brown in there, zero point nine percent owned. Basically, I think it was the only person that ended up playing him. Uh, about a floor game as you could have there with ten receptions, ten catches, forty three yards. It was uh, <laughs> you know didn't really bust loose, didn't land in the end zone, but beautifully done. Uh, big shout out to him. He always fills the contest with us late, and he's a great great user. So very happy to see him take that down. Great user, great name. Shout out to him for, for getting it done there. The Don, I got to give him a shout out again. He finished fifth overall in this contest two weeks in a row. Exactly fifth overall. He's now cashed in this contest three different times a season. And I'm just sitting here with a whopping zero. I have not cashed a single time. So shout out to the Don. His sneaky picks, he had Gabriel Davis and Rashad Penny. One good, one bad. Uh, but the, the man is getting it done. And we'll have some sneaky picks here for you on Thursday's podcast as well. Let's take a quick break when we return. Jump right into week 16 here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so week 16 is here. We have an 11-game main slate with a two-game slate on Saturday, and we'll have a short podcast on that slate uh, coming out for you later in the week, probably Friday morning, I would imagine. Uh, once again, no, uh, zero games with a 50-point total, but that's basically the standard this time of year. We do have one at 49.5. That is the Rams at the Vikings, so likely to be pretty popular, I would imagine, that game there. We have two double-digit spreads. The Bucks are 11-point favorites at the Panthers. The Eagles are minus 10 hosting the Giants, and we have one other that checks in just below that. The Chargers are 9.5-point favorites at the Houston Texans. I mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast that we've we've got some COVID situations to monitor right now. Uh, the Chiefs have an outbreak themselves. 13 players currently on the COVID list, including Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Butker, their cornerback Rashad Fenton. The Jets have 14 players and, and their head coach Robert Sala. That includes their starting offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker and first round pick. Uh, their cornerback Michael Carter, not the running back, so uh, hopefully the running back Michael Carter could stay out of COVID protocols there. Cole Beasley is uh, t tested positive. We know that he is unvaccinated, so very likely, no, not very likely, he will be out this week here in week 16. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jared Goff, Joey Bosa all tested positive as well. And as I mentioned, uh, Brandon Cooks, some news coming in there that he tested positive as well. Some regular injuries to monitor. Chris Godwin is on the I on IR. Leonard Fournette could go on IR. That hasn't happened yet, but it's something that they're discussing. Uh, Mike Evans is dealing with a hamstring injury. Antonio Brown is back. And look, if Mike Evans doesn't go, if Chris Godwin doesn't go, I'm sure Antonio Brown will be very popular. Le'Veon Bell just signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks with that injury to Leonard Fournette. Lamar Jackson is day-to-day. -day. 
DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams return to practice on Wednesday. Teddy Bridgewater has been ruled out. And apparently both Cam Newton and Sam Darnold are going to play for the Panthers on Sunday. That was a mouthful. There's a lot going on so far here in week 16. Mike, let's start with the quarterback position. Four QBs over 7K on DraftKings, which includes Patrick Mahomes. He's 7,700, the highest priced. Josh Allen is 7,500. Tom Brady, 74. And Justin Herbert at 7,200. Any of the top tier quarterbacks that you were looking at here in week 16? Uh, I'm looking at Justin Herbert for sure at this point. Um, it's you know we say this every week, but it's always going to come down to who gets ruled in, who gets ruled out with the COVID protocols. Uh, I like Tom Brady. I, I, I like Tom Brady here as well. Um, I assume everything. I'm trying to. Sorry, I'm running through my data right now, making sure he is. Yeah, he is available and on the slate. Tom Brady is probably going to be my favorite. Uh, at this point, I, I'm expecting a pretty big bounce back and the handcuffs are going to be super cheap because Antonio Brown should be back in this spot. His price point, I believe, is forty nine hundred uh, over on DraftKings. So, yeah, Tom Brady at the top, Justin Herbert, and then we'll see if we get to play Lamar Jackson or what happens there with the Baltimore side. But I'll be interested in whoever's starting for Baltimore. Yep, Lamar Jackson is 6,900 at the Bengals. Tyler Huntley is 6K, so gets priced up in the event that Lamar Jackson can't play this week. A few other names in the mid-tier. Matthew Stafford is 6,700 at the Minnesota Vikings. Again, that game should be pretty popular. Jalen Hurts had a pretty big game on Tuesday. Two rushing touchdowns. He's 6,400 going up against the Giants. And then just a few cheaper options that caught my eye. Big Ben. Once again, 5,500 at the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Fields is 5,200 at the Seahawks. Drew Locke will start at the Raiders. He's 5,100. And then Trevor Lawrence all the way down at 5K at the Jets. Again, he's cheaper than Marcus Mariota and Mike Lennon, who might not even play quarterback this week for the New York Giants. See ya. How are we feeling about the quarterback position? Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously at the top, I totally agree on Justin Herbert. I like that quite a bit. Patrick Mahomes, certainly in play. Uh, Stafford, uh, very much in play. That Vikings game uh, should be a shootout. Uh, Jalen Hurts is really interesting. Obviously, the ankle is is not appearing to bother him. They run the ball so much. Uh, Hurts obviously has a touchdown equity when it gets close to the goal line. So I like him. Um, Burrow is certainly interesting to me. I and mean, we'll have to see on the Huntley-Lamar Jackson situation. If we're talking about cheap options, you know, I thought about Fields for a second, but I think the pace of that game is going to be really slow. I think there's going to be a lot of running involved there. Let me just throw out a name. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, I suppose, is in play at a flat 5K, but Davis Mills at 5,500. If you just wanted to get really different, I wouldn't recommend this for like cash or single entry, but he's had some big games over the last, let's say, five to six games. The only reason he didn't have a big game last week was because... A, the Jags didn't really offer much resistance. B, there was a driving rainstorm in that game for about a quarter and a half. And C, they got a special teams touchdown, which really kind of put them up and put them in a different type of game script. I'm sort of lamenting that because one of my props for the early edge last week was Davis Mills over 222 passing yards. He ended up getting to 206. But honestly, if that game was competitive, I think he would have gotten maybe even close to 300. I'm not saying he's a great play. I'm saying at 5,500, he's a super contrarian play. The problem is if Brandon Cooks doesn't clear COVID protocols, we, we know just because you told us he was just entered into that, then obviously this is an absolutely awful play. So just something to keep in mind. But yeah, I agree mostly with uh, the quarterbacks Mike liked. All right. Davis Mills and the Houston Texans, again, nine and a half point dogs going up against the Los Angeles Chargers, that game as of now has a 45 and a half point total that comes via Caesar Sportsbook. Let's move on to the running back position. Two running backs up over 8K on DraftKings. Dalvin Cook is 8,300. He's the highest priced running back on the slate. And Austin Eckler is 8,100. He is questionable currently with an ankle injury. There was some talk that he was going to be placed on the COVID list as well. That hasn't happened. So it seems like Austin Eckler is in the clear for now. Let's see if he can uh, get healthy for this game. A few others that stood out to me just below that 7K price tag. Cordero Patterson is 6,700 at the Lions. Figures he could be pretty popular. If DeAndre Swift is back and healthy, he returns to practice on Wednesday. He's 6,300 at the Atlanta Falcons, which seems way too cheap uh, for him. Again, assuming he's healthy. Mike, what do you think about some of these names up top? Maybe some of the mid-tier options as well. Yeah, as of now, it's projecting as a more of a mid-tier week. Uh, be right back to James Robinson, 5,900. I think that that's kind of an obvious, almost free square. Uh, if he was 
4,900, it would for sure be the free square of the week. Uh, Ronald Jones for Tampa. Uh, it's going to be a scenario where I'm probably going to have Ronald Jones, Antonio Brown at the receiver spot, maybe Tom Brady in there, but those two pieces will definitely be uh, in lineups. And then Michael Carter, I, I don't know what's wrong with us that we must force a jet into a lineup every week, but Michael Carter seems like someone that I'd be interested in playing again. Obviously, we don't really love the correlated stacks with two running backs, one on each side of a game. However, this is a scenario where the price points are low enough. Both, in theory, can have some involvement in the passing game that I don't hate playing Michael Carter in there at 5,200. The results haven't been there, but you know he still touched the football 10 times in that last game. If you're going to project something similar to that in a game that could feature a little more scoring with Jacksonville, kind of going back and forth, two pretty bad teams, uh, I could see Michael Carter getting there at 5,200. And I think the ownership will absolutely take a hit from where it was last week after two poor performances in a row. Yeah, I think your point about them catching passes makes a ton of sense too, Mike. I mean, as of now, this game is a pick em. I don't know which team will be playing with a lead. I guess one of them, but uh, whoever is playing with that lead, obviously maybe you could project more rushing attempts for that running back. And then on the other side, you know, uh, Michael Carter, James Robinson, whoever it is, should be catching passes for their team. I mean, I don't understand why Zach Wilson doesn't throw the ball more to Michael Carter, but we spoke about it. Every other quarterback that was in there has done a great job getting Michael Carter involved in the passing game. It's, it just seems to be a, a Zach Wilson thing for whatever reason. A few other names here in this uh, lower mid-tier. David Montgomery, he's 5,700. He's been on the field a lot recently. He's catching the ball. Uh, see, you mentioned... We expect a lot of running on both sides there with the Bears and the Seahawks. Miles Sanders is 5,600 going up against the Giants. He had 20 touches on Tuesday night. Back-to-back games over 100 rushing yards for Miles Sanders. Uh, and, and one that you mentioned here, Mike, uh, Ronald Jones, sets the start in this game, 5,100 as well. So uh, see, how are we thinking? Uh, what are we thinking, rather, uh, when it comes to the running back position here in Week 16? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the 6,000 and below range is going to be really popular. It's it's going to force people. I shouldn't say force people. I think a lot of people are going to be stacking some high-end receivers, kind of like they were last week. Uh, James Robinson is an obvious play at the Jets. Um, 83% of the snaps last week, uh, 18 carries, four targets. Love that. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really interesting. I haven't played him all year. Uh, the Pittsburgh defense, they just allow so much to running backs. My concern there is Daryl Williams got 31% of the snaps last game. And I, I honestly think Daryl Williams is, is about as talented as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But I do trust that this could be somewhat of a breakout game for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, especially if there's still some some people out. Like if Kelsey or Tyree Killer out, I think they'll lean on Clyde maybe even a little bit more. Montgomery against Seattle, we talked about it. Seattle's terrible against Rundy. Miles Sanders is just an enigma to me. You know, as soon as I want to kind of go back to him, I wasn't on him yesterday. As soon as I want to go back to him, of course, he's going to be, you know, third in line behind like Jordan Howard and, you know, Boston Scott or something. So I'm not sure I'm going to go there. Sony Michelle's very interesting to me. 71% of the snaps, three times as many carries as Daryl Henderson. Rojo, of course, Singletary, I think, is in play at New England. 22 carries last week and one target. Brita barely saw the field. So if if it's the same situation next week with Zach Moss being inactive, I think he's a great play. I'm keeping an eye on Ramondre Stevenson in case Damian Harris is out again. Other than that, just look for some injuries. Like if Eckler's out, Justin Jackson at 4,200 obviously makes sense. And if Mixon doesn't get in some full practices, it looks like he's practicing. But Samaj P. Ryan at 4,400. See, how about this? Friends don't let friends play Miles Sanders. Yeah, well, it's funny because, Frank, we did the, the special podcast for the two-game slate yesterday, which, of course, would have been the Tuesday night games. And I was all about just, hey, avoid Miles Sanders because I don't know who's going to get it between him, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, whoever's out, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell. Because the prior the prior week, Kenny Gainwell had gotten up plenty of touches along with Miles Sanders, and Howard, I believe, was out for that game. So it's so unpredictable. The only thing I'll say to Miles' benefit is now they're fully in the playoff race. Now they're actually like in the playoffs technically. And it seemed to me like in an important game like there was yesterday, they clearly were leaning on Miles Sanders for a good three out of those four quarters. And he looked really good like we all thought he would if he actually got run. So I think he he could have like a, you know, there could be some game-breaking runs. There were a lot of holes in that game against the Washington defense, which actually has a very good run defense and had most of their defensive line healthy. So Miles Sanders seems to be like a boom or bust play, but I'll, I'll have a few shares for sure. Yeah, look, big big favorites there in that game against the Giants divisional matchup. So uh, could be playing with a lead, obviously running out the clock. Miles Sanders, uh, someone that can 
be doing that here in week 16. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. The highest priced player on the slate is, no surprise, Cooper Cup at 9,100. Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk. This dude is on another level right now. Just breaking slate after slate, 100 yards and a touchdown in three straight games. I think he's had double-digit targets in every game but one this season. He's just absolutely unreal. Two more wide receivers up over 8K. Tyreek Hill is 8,400. Again, in concussion protocols, uh, Justin Jefferson is 8,100. Someone just below that who I think could be popular, Keenan Allen, uh, up against the Houston Texans. He is 7,700 as well. Mike, this is shaping up to be a... Pretty normal Mike McClure week where we pay down at running back, maybe pay down at tight end, quarterback, and we're spending up again at wide receiver. Yep, that is definitely the blueprint. Uh, and it does start and end with Cooper Cup. He will definitely be in the lineups there. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch that game. I might play Justin Jefferson as well. Uh, I believe they are the two best wide receivers in the NFL. I make Devontae Adams number three. Maybe a controversial take, but uh, they're clearly the top three wide receivers. Uh, but right now, Cooper Cup, uh, I give him the nod as the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, and very, very excited to watch this game. I, I'm playing Cooper Cup for sure. Um, as far as what kind of value opens up across the board, will determine whether or not I get a ton of Justin Jefferson or just tournament lineups where I have Justin Jefferson as a bring back there. Um, I like Keenan Allen a lot. Uh, I really like Deontay Johnson again. I'm going to play Deontay Johnson against Kansas City. I think he's going to get force-fed targets. I think it really helps that Tyreek and Kelsey are out and has the, the possibility of a real competitive game shaping up in this one. So back to the wall on Deontay. Uh, Cooper Cup at the top for sure. And then all the way down Antonio Brown, I, I think is the most obvious free square of the season. Yeah, how much did ESPN love showing that gritty dance on Monday Night Football? I mean, they showed it so many times. And I know Justin Jefferson scored a touchdown, and before the game, he was teaching everyone how to do the gritty dance and all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike, if you play Justin Jefferson and he goes off, is is there a chance that we can get a video of like you doing some kind of gritty dance? Or uh, there's basically a zero percent <laughs> chance of that, unless it, you know, I'll say if if the winnings are in the six figures and above, yes, you will. I will. I will definitely do that. But uh, what I'm looking most forward to is, do we think Cooper Cup, if he scores a touchdown first in the game, does he hit him with the gritty dance? Because I think that would be a pretty nice troll on the road in Minnesota <laughs> for Cooper Cup to bust that out. I'm going right. uh, to see what we can do to make that happen. All right. Well, look, every week I'm rooting for my guys here. I'm rooting for Mike and see it to take it down. But I will especially be rooting for Mike here in week 16 to uh, <laughs> get a six digit win. So we could get a video of him uh, doing doing the gritty dance, uh, obviously made famous by one Justin Jefferson. See a few names here in the mid tier at, at wide receiver. Russell Gage, uh, the guy is just balling out right now. He's going up against the Detroit Lions. He's 5,900 on the other side of that game. Amonra St. Brown, we spoke about him. He has three straight games with double digit targets. He's 5,600. Van Jefferson is 5,500. Odell Beckham uh, down at 5,300. And assuming that both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are out, Antonio Brown set to return. He's 4,900. Tyler Johnson is 3,900. And if Brandon Cooks is out now for the Texans, we have Nico Collins down at 3,400 as well. So some potential punt options here in week 16. Yeah, I like those punts. Antonio Brown, you know, under 5K is, is obviously a steal. I think he's he, he's going to return to form. I mean, he's obviously been working out. We've seen some of those those videos he's posted. Uh, Gabriel Davis at 4,700. He's priced up from last week, but probably not priced up enough. I think Stefan Diggs is going to get most of the attention like he did last week. He makes sense. Tyler Johnson at 3,900. You know, every time we we kind of think it's it's Tyler Johnson week, and they're, they're, it's not often, but he usually underwhelms. So I just want everybody to be careful there. You know, you get what you pay for with Tyler Johnson. So with 3,900, don't expect some ceiling game. I, I, don't, I don't really see it, but I definitely think he's a value at 3,900. Um, I'll, I'll have to agree with Mike, though, at the top. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson. I love all four of them. I think it's a great bounce back spot for Deontay Johnson, especially with the pass rush that KC brings. Ben is going to have to get the get rid of the ball really quickly, and it should be peppering with Deontay pretty much the entire game as they'll probably be trailing in that game if KC is healthy. So um, other sort of mid-tier options, you know, obviously I like Cooks if he's healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown is still probably not priced up enough at the Falcons. Um, Darnell Mooney is interesting. The only problem is, again, I, I think that's more of a David Montgomery game, but Mooney at 5,400, 
I mean, it's hard to ignore. He's 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 certainly boomer bust, but I think he'll make it into one or two of my lineups. I think that's pretty much it uh, on the receiver position. But I agree from a roster construction standpoint, I'll be mixing in those top four that we talked about quite a bit. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I was just say DJ Moore. Uh, I believe he just missed practice, but at fifty seven hundred. The ownership, unfortunately, is going to start to get elevated just because it's a natural bring back with Antonio Brown or Ronald Jones. But he, what is it? Three straight weeks with double digit targets. Um, I, I think that at 5,700, you have to consider him. I think the game script's always going to be there against Tampa. So someone that's in my player pool, as far as whether or not I have room for him, just depends on where you go at quarterback and how much value opens up. But my Gut says enough value opens up that we can pay up for the top tier receivers. But if for some reason we can't, I, I think he's going to be incredibly popular right next to Antonio Brown. All right. DJ Moore, I believe he's had at least seven targets in every game this season. Uh, obviously, even more targets recently here with the Carolina Panthers. Let's wrap up with the tight end position. Two tight ends at 7K or higher. Travis Kelsey, 7,300. Again, in uh, COVID protocols. We'll see what happens there. Mark Andrews now priced all the way up to 7K, rightfully so. The guy has been amazing. Rob Gronkowski is 6,200. Could be a focal point here for the Tampa Bay Bucks offense in Week 16. And then a few cheaper options. James O'Shaughnessy, once again, he's 3,200 going up against the Jets. And if Kelsey and Blake Bell are out for the Chiefs, the name we mentioned, Noah Gray, the min price here at 2,500 on DraftKings. See, we'll start with you. What do you think? Tight end in week 16. Uh, you know, one thing I want to bring up real quick, uh, I just don't want to forget to say it. When I when I was referring to Miles Sanders, when you're talking about guys that you want to play from, let's say, the Monday night game or especially the Tuesday night game, just keep in mind it was a short week for them. So when I'm thinking about Miles Sanders, I'm sort of second-guessing myself now because it was a short week. Maybe they don't lean on him quite as much because of all the work he put in yesterday. So just wanted to put that out there. Pay attention particularly to who played on Tuesday night and, and whether or not they're going to get a full load because of that short week. There's three tight ends, or I should say four tight ends that I like uh, so far. It's it's Mark Andrews, uh, Rob Gronkowski, Cole Komet, who, by the way, I played on Monday night, and, and he pretty much uh, did exactly what what I wanted him to do. Uh, 3,300 is a bargain at the Seahawks. Uh, and then James O'Shaughnessy again at the Jets at 3,200. So those are the four I'm keying in on right now. All right, Mike, what are we thinking about tight end? Uh, yeah, it's turning into fade Mark Andrews at your own risk, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I do like Mark Andrews. Um, just going to be a matter of, you know, do we have enough value at other spots? I think we're probably going to. I do like him. Um, Obviously, like Gronk, like you said, Dan Arnold, we need to investigate that a little bit. I think he was potentially at least eligible to return in week 16. Probably not going to. I would be kind of surprised if they brought him back at all this season, considering what he went through. But something to monitor there. Um, and then CJ Uzama is the only other one I want to mention. For the Cincinnati Bengals, his target share is slowly rising and becoming acceptable, especially for someone that's a $3,000 player. We know the games with Baltimore typically get competitive. A classic example of if you want to play Mark Andrews, you could play Mark Andrews at flex, put Uzama at the tight end spot at 3K. Uh, four targets in week 15, six targets in week 14, six targets in week 13. Um, you know, he hasn't had fewer than three targets since week five. When you're talking about a team that's obviously desperate to win any kind of game, really both sides are going to be desperate to win the game, obviously. Uh, I think you could do a lot worse with your punt options here in this game. And I like the correlation with Mark Andrews if you're looking to play Mark Andrews this week. All right. CJ Uzama back in week seven against the Ravens went off. Three catches for 91 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Let's just quickly wrap up with Thursday Night Football. Some showdown thoughts. Mike, I don't know if you've ran any numbers yet, but the 49ers are at the Titans. The 49ers are three and a half point favorites with a 44 point total. Sounds like A.J. Brown could be back for this game. Uh, Julio Jones just came out that he practiced in full, expected to play in this game, which was surprising because he left again in week 15 dealing with that hamstring Injury all season long for Julio Jones. Elijah Mitchell has been ruled out for San Francisco. Uh, and just in general, this game, Mike, kind of reminds me of that Steelers-Vikings game where we played a bunch of position players and just kind of ignored the quarterback. So I don't know if that's what the data is showing for you as of now, but that's kind of just my early lean on this game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you can lean. I think that obviously Debo Samuel gets a huge bump in projection with Eli Mitchell being out just because they're, they're going to try to put the ball in his hands. Um, 
look, there's a lot of cheap players here. Um, I actually think we're going to have a lot more of the quarterbacks, at least on my initial run, than I thought. But some of that could change if we do, in fact, get A.J. Brown for sure in. Um, I, I like A.J. Brown a lot if he plays, but I, I just think they'll force some targets to him. If not, you can play a lot of the running backs. Uh, looks like Deontay Foreman is showing up in the majority of the runs. And then, of course, Jeff Wilson. I think he will be incredibly popular after the game that he just put up uh, you know, in their last game. But Jeff Wilson stands out a lot. He's very, very cheap uh, on this showdown slate. Yeah, he is 5,200. And again, Elijah Mitchell ruled out. So we should expect uh, Jeff Wilson to be the starter again. Uh, Deonta Foreman is 7,600 on this slate. And I saw the other Titans running backs. I know they, they kind of split three different ways. But Dontra Hilliard is only 2,800 too. It just seems uh, way too cheap for someone who, who catches a few passes there as well. See, so yeah, anything else you'd like to add uh, regarding the 49ers and Titans here? I think Dontrell Hilliard is really, really sneaky. He's running really well. And if you recall, Dante Foreman, he got a full practice in today, but I kind of question it a little bit, especially coming off a short week. He had that ankle scare, which looked like a severe injury late in the game, in that Tennessee game. And, you know, listen, if he got a full practice, he got a full practice. But I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot more Dontrell Hilliard. So at that price, I I know I'm going to be just taking that shot. I understand Jeremy McNichols is there, but I think between the two, Hilliard's going to get more run. Uh, Obviously, I like Kittle. I think I'm going to be playing some Jimmy G. Debo, obviously, in play. Jeff Wilson will be a good play, but also maybe a good fade as well. And I might play the Niners D, especially if A.J. Brown is not back. All right, let's wrap there. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again tomorrow afternoon to preview the entire Week 16 main slate. We will see you then. 